0: Welcome to another special Supreme Court decision episode of Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law. I'm your host, Loyola Law School Professor Jessica Levinson, and today we have our producer, Joe Armstrong, to help us break down the two big Supreme Court rulings. It was a very good day for religious employers, not such a great day for women and employees. So with that, Joe, let's talk about what happened.
1: Hello, Jessica. Thank you for having me once again. And real quick, just tell people that they're not crazy. Uh, These decisions are coming later than normal into July. Tell everyone why that is.
0: Yes. Well, as you may remember, uh, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And so something historic happened at the Supreme Court. They canceled oral arguments that were supposed to be held at the end of March and during April. And they moved those oral arguments to May. And so we got to do something that I thought was super fun, which is to listen to oral arguments live over the phone. And so it was kind of like being on a conference call with the justices. And typically what happens is oral arguments happen. If you want to listen live, you have to go to Washington, D.C. and stand in line. In this case, we got to hear it real time. And um, that's why everything is delayed. And that's why we are talking about Supreme Court cases in July.
1: Very, very, interesting. And so, everyone, that is your Trivial Pursuit winning pie piece for your <laughs> next big family holiday get-together board game extravaganza. But now, the nitty-gritty of these two particular cases, they are similar but not the same. So it seems to me that there's a lot of cases dealing with religion, religious objectors, religion in the workplace, freedom of religion. Am I crazy, or is that something that is a real-deal thing?
0: Both of those things are yes. You're a little bit crazy, and that's also a real-deal thing. So we are going to see more of this, listeners. What we're going to see more of is religious objectors, and we're going to see more of matchups between the freedom of religion on the one hand, and then on the other hand, we're going to have things like the freedom from discrimination or the freedom of a presidential administration uh, to write laws that make it easier for hypothetically, let's say employers to tell employees, I don't have to give you contraception care because it violates my rights. It violates my belief that you should be able to have access to this. So you're not at all crazy in the sense that we're seeing more of this and we will see more of this. If you're looking at big issues that are going to come before the Supreme Court, a lot of them will be related to religious freedom.
1: And that's because these cases take a while to work their way through the judiciary to get to the Supreme Court, right? These are judicial seeds that were planted long ago. Am I thinking about that correctly as well?
0: I love that image. Yes. So one thing to remember is the vast majority of cases aren't actually decided by the Supreme Court, the vast, vast majority of cases. And the ones that are have been working their way up through the system for months, if not in most cases, years. You have to go through the trial court level, then it's appealed to a court of appeals, and then in the rare cases that are taken up, it goes to the Supreme Court where there's a whole season of briefing and then oral arguments and then a decision. So we have good notice of which cases are winding their way up.
1: Now my high school and collegiate government and poli-sci teachers would be very, very proud of me now. if They could (laughs) see me flying like a little bird. (laughs) Ha ha, to you. (laughs) Anyway, so these two big rulings today, similar but not the same. Tell me why they're different.
0: So they're different in part because one of them deals with a statute, the Affordable Care Act, and one of them deals with a constitutional issue. And specifically, the first case deals with uh, the Affordable Care Act, what we know as Obamacare. And in Obamacare, there was a carve-out for certain religious employers who said, I don't want to have to adhere to the law, which says I have to provide free contraception through a medical insurance policy to my employees and that the employers don't have to provide access to contraception. So in this case, what happened is the Trump administration actually tried to broaden that exemption and say, it shouldn't just be this narrow group of religious employers. It should be a much broader group. It should be anyone who says, I have a moral objection. It should be more employers who say, I have a religious objection, even if it's a big for-profit corporation, for instance. And the question before the Supreme Court really became, does the Trump administration have the power to broaden that exemption? The court answered that question today in the affirmative. Seven members of the court said, yes, Trump administration, you do. And so what that's going to mean is for between about 70,000 and 125,000 women, they will lose their no-cost access to contraception.
1: Now, it seems to me this harkens back to the Hobby Lobby decision from Supreme Court recent years past. Am I correct?
0: Exactly. So it deals with very similar issues to the Hobby Lobby case. There was actually another Little Sisters case that was before the court. And it's this same issue of do you get a carve out from the Affordable Care Act or do you have to adhere to that? And what we're seeing in this case is really the chipping away of the Affordable Care Act, in this case by the Trump administration and with an assist from seven members of the Supreme Court.
1: So now you're mentioning the seven members. What was, uh, who stood up where exactly? Who lined up where for this one?
0: Right. So, in our, I'm thinking of like a basketball lineup. So, on one side of the court, we have Justice Thomas writing for the majority, joined by everyone except Justices Ginsburg, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Justice Sonia Sotomayor. And so, what that means is that all five conservative members of the court joined the majority, but also two so called liberal members of the court, Justice Elena Kagan and Justice Stephen Breyer, and in part, they actually only joined a fairly narrow part of the ruling. They just said, yes, the Trump administration has the power to do this, but let's send it back to the lower court and make sure that they did this, meaning broaden the exemption in the right way.
1: Now, there's a second case that deals with something similar but not the same, And here's a a phrase that I really, really like to say, ministerial exemption. I like the way that rolls off my tongue. Tell me what that is and what is the rationale behind that?
0: Right. So this is a totally separate case, and this deals with two Catholic school teachers who were fired from their jobs. In one case, a Catholic school teacher who said... I was fired because of my age. In another case, a Catholic school teacher who actually has since passed away, who said, I was fired after I told my school that I'm undergoing treatment for breast cancer. And the question was whether or not they could sue or if they are subject to this ministerial exemption or exception. And the exception says that religious institutions and specifically religious schools get to pick who teaches the faith. They get to have a lot of discretion about hiring and firing when it comes to, again, people who are teaching about their religion. And that means that you can, under the ministerial exception, you could fire people because of their age or their race or um, potentially their LGBTQ status because the judiciary shouldn't be they say, involved in second-guessing religious institutions, and in this case, religious schools.
1: On that basketball court we were talking about, how did the justices line up on this particular case?
0: So in this case, it's again a 7-2 decision. We have the opinion by Justice Samuel Alito, and it's the same 7-2 lineup. We again have Justices Ginsburg and Sotomayor in the dissent. In what they say in dissent is we're very worried about what is going to happen to employees of religious schools and why are we giving free rein to these religious schools to discriminate and on the other hand of course we have the majority saying we're very worried about religious freedom we as judges should not be in here second guessing why religious schools are making the decisions they are because they have a first amendment right to freedom of religion even if in normal circumstances, their actions might violate federal anti-discrimination laws.
1: Now, on the ground, how does this apply for employees of religious schools? Because in some ways, it seems to be like so many Supreme Court decisions. One step forward, two steps back, eight steps forward, one step back. Is this, I mean, it's more freedom for some, less freedom for others. You know, freedom is a big thing in America. Uh, We line up and argue about it all the time. How does it specifically apply in this case?
0: With all those steps, I feel like I'm dancing. So how does this apply? What it's going to mean tomorrow for employees at religious schools is that if you teach, you could be considered a quote unquote minister for the ministerial exception. And therefore, if you want to sue your employer for discrimination, you may not be able to go to federal court to do that. This gives religious schools a lot more power over the hiring and firing of their employees. Again, think about all of the elementary school teachers who are there to teach science, math, English, etc. They are now not subject to the same workplace protections uh, that they might have been if the decision had gone the other way. So in both cases, you know, let's wrap it up with real world consequences. In the first case, the little sister's case, we have tens of thousands of women, if not up to 125,000 women who will no longer have free access to contraception. In another case, we have many employees who work at religious schools who now will lack uh, workplace protections because of this ministerial exception. And so what we would say to our listeners is what we often say, Elections have consequences, and the composition of the Supreme Court really matters. You might be celebrating today, you might be you know, pouring yourself a glass of wine and really bemoaning the decision, but the members of the court really make a difference to our daily life.
1: They certainly do. Sometimes you're the windshield, and sometimes you are the bug or as I understand, as the aphorism goes. Jessica, thank you so very much, as always, for hosting the show and for helping me and our listeners be a little smarter than we were 10 minutes ago. And uh, I look forward to discussing the rest of the election season with you.
0: Well, thank you, producer Joe Armstrong. Thank you for passing judgment with us. I'm going to plug your podcast because I love it. You can listen to Joe's podcast, Independence Day, at indepthday.com. He's also on Instagram, at In-Depth Day. And thank you to the listeners. Really, truly, thank you so much for listening, for being with us for another episode of Passing Judgment. Please listen, subscribe, rate us. You can find me at Levinson Jessica on Twitter. You can find the show at Pass Judgment Pod. And we're on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. Until next time.